0: Good afternoon, everybody, and I am absolutely delighted this evening to welcome Maddie Snow. Maddie is a stress coach, and Maddie works as a consultant with my own clients, so I thought she would be absolutely ideal to come on here as a guest on my podcast, because we were absolutely blown away, Maddie, by your by your um, workshop that you did for our one-to-one VIP clients, and it's something that our clients report all the time, that stress can be a real trigger for clients when it comes to emotional eating. So welcome, Maddie. I'm going to let Maddie introduce herself. So welcome, Maddie. Tell everybody who
1: you are and what you do. Yes. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Um, stress management is something that's really tough for everybody, and it's kind of, kind of overlooked, I think. So it's great that you're bringing this to your clients and your audience. Um I'm Maddie, I'm a stress coach. I worked in healthcare actually up until last November, November, 2020. I used to be a pathologist assistant. So I would dissect all kinds of organs and do autopsies, things like that. I was frequently working in very intense situations. I am a very high achiever. Um, I have perfectionist tendencies. And so about three years in, after I got my master's degree for this field specifically, I burnt out pretty massively. Um, I had no idea that so many of the tendencies that I thought were making me better than everyone else, or the absolute best, the most valuable member of the team, were actually chipping away at my ability to manage my stress. And so I went on this mission to figure out how I could unburn myself because it was a terrifying moment to feel that the career I had worked so hard for was slipping through my fingers. And so I spent a couple of years really studying stress. Um, I studied on my lunch breaks, which actually gave me some ownership of the workday and gave me something back every day. And I studied constantly after and outside of work because it was fascinating to me how much we're accidentally doing that's contributing to our stress. And then when I started seeing everyone around me doing the same things over and over again, it just, it was killing me. And so that's when I finally cut the cord and left to do stress management um, and health coaching so that I can try to educate people about their stress yeah and, and it's funny because
0: we had chatted just before we came on to the podcast about you know i know most of you listening to this podcast and who follow me are interested in weight loss fat loss um fitness being more consistent with your movement we're being more consistent with with following a healthy diet and you know we coach oh, hundreds of clients online and we put out a little survey every Friday and we mentioned, you know, rate your stress from one to five and, you know, 80, 90% of people, their stress levels are coming back at,
1: mm-hmm.
0: at, at a five, four, a four or five, which oh. for me as a coach, you know, is something that I have to look at. And I know with our one-to-one VIP clients, we do bring in psychologists and emotions and emotional eating and, you know, habits and behaviors, but it's something that I suppose is not as taboo You know, um, I know that myself, I would be like yourself, Maddie, I would have perfectionist tendencies. I'm incredibly laid back when it comes to certain things. Mm -hmm. But I would be almost, you know, I don't know, impossible to work with when it comes to other things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And we always laugh, you know. I would be, I would be a terrible boss in a company because I would expect everybody to be as perfect as me. And there's nobody gets more annoyed than myself. You know, I'm the only one gets annoyed. And I used to think there's something wrong
1: with me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no.
0: Whilst well, it's great, you can harness some of that stress in order to grow your business. Sometimes, as I know, twice a year I would just burn out.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: you know, when I re- chat to my clients and when I chat to you know. To, to to people you, they would, you would just see it and even on our weekly report forums it's oh I had a really stressful week the child was sick I had a really stressful week at work I had you know problems with my family and so then that pushed me off track you know and the problem is with most people that they say well sure that's my trigger and every time now that I'm triggered by stress I never really get a good run at it you know i ne- never really get that clear path ahead in order to make s- consistent progress but for me there is no clear path ahead stress will always manifest in some shape form or mm-hmm. fashion I just have to work around it um it comes at you and it, you know life throws curveballs at you and which creates stress and usually come from stress and how do we work around that so i know today the main things that i want to talk about is And, you know, myself and my clients will discuss this all the time. Is there some of us just more hardwired in our DNA to um, to get triggered by stress? You know, how does stress affect us psychologically? What happens in the brain to make us reach for food? Number two. And then how do we overcome that strategies and a plan of action, Maddie? How my clients and how my listeners can, you know, overcome those stressful moments when they would default to food overeating binge um all or nothing mentality so yeah three distinct areas there that hopefully we can we can chat about so we'll go back to the first one are some people more hardwired to um is it like a is it in our personality is it something we develop from our environment growing up what is the trigger that some of us get more easily stressed than
1: others Sure, this is, this is an excellent question. Um, so part of it could be personality, but when it comes down to it, it's generally how stress, reacting to stress was modeled to us when we were young and how we coped with stress when we were young and how we learned to cope with stress. Um, you said a couple of times, a lot of it has to do with language. So a, a couple of times in, in your intro, even you said we try to um, avoid stress or we try to get around it. And so, but we know it's impossible to avoid because it's coming. But when we use language such as avoid or get around or just try to like grit and bear it, I say um, a lot with my clients, I talk about white knuckling. We just kind of like, like, well, I just have to get through this. It's going to be horrible. That reaction actually, and that language creates more stress about the stress. And so we kind of build on that rather than seeing that there are unpredictable things that come up every single day. Life is incredibly unexpected. And so embracing the fact that I don't necessarily love unexpected things. And that's something that does cause stress. It's stress is a response to threats outside the body. And so unexpected things are, are potential threats. However, when we build those threats bigger by saying how horrible they are, I really don't want this. This is horrible. I'm being forced into this. It makes it so much more difficult rather than being more flexible, which I think comes into play when we talk about food and coping with with food. A lot of times we look at the response to the stress and we try to fix that. And we're like, "But how can I stop coping with food? I just need to stop the food. Well, if that's how we have learned is we cope with stress what we need to do is start looking at how we can work with our stress so that we have a less severe reaction to the stress and then that leads to potentially less coping at the end and then maybe coping with food looks like having a couple things that are comforting there's nothing wrong with having things that are comforting we are humans food is part of our social order it is part of what makes us happy it's it's wonderful so having those comforting foods is one thing the issue generally is that there's a large response to stress, which then requires a bigger response to coping, which is like all the chips rather than um a couple of them. Mm-hmm. Crisps. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> chips
0: do it. Crisps or chips doesn't matter. Perfect. Either you crop any it doesn't really matter. Um so so in terms of what actually happens in your brain i know whenever you were doing the workshop for my one-to-one clients you talked about the um Mm -hmm. the logical part of the brain and the amygdala and i just thought that was absolutely fascinating can you give our followers an overview of what happens because it's funny since that conversation maddie i have really really tuned in to my responses i've just probably come off one of the most stressful weeks i've ever had in my life and honestly. I've used some of the approaches that you had coached our clients on. And I have to say, how I got through that week, I don't know, but I did. Mm-hmm. I, never, I didn't kill anybody. I didn't shout uh-huh. anybody. You know, there was no trauma. So <laughs> explain that part to my followers, because I just thought that was amazing.
1: Oh, good. I'm so glad to hear that, too. Um, so we have two parts of the brain. Like you said, the amygdala is kind of the alarm part of our brain. It's the most primitive part. And it sounds off anytime there's something dangerous. It's basically in the middle of our heads. The whole front of our heads, right behind your forehead is your it's called your prefrontal cortex, but it is. It's the logical thinking part of our brains that make us human. The thing that allows us to have complex thoughts and complex problem solving is all at the front of your brain. So when the amygdala goes off, it sees it sees a threat, something unpredictable, something scary. It sends a message. To your thinking brain, your the front of your brain, and it asks, What is this? Is it a threat? And what should my response be? And your thinking brain looks through all of your memories and comes up with what a response, mm-hmm. um, a logical response to this is. So I've used the example of the pandemic being so overwhelming because it was our prefrontal cortexes were searching for something familiar, something it could go off of to figure out how we respond to all of these individual unpredictable things that were happening and it had nothing so then you had people reacting purely from a really primitive part of their brain which just puts us in this spin cycle of stress and so when you're talking about and <laughs> I love that you you're saying that you can kind of hear and feel those two parts of the brain when you're talking about those two parts that first shot of adrenaline that we have when let's say someone says something um, and we get defensive, you know, they come in and they say, your presentation sucked. And you get that shot of, oh my God, oh, oh, oh. that's your amygdala. It generally doesn't have words. It has a lot of feelings and it has that shot. It gives, it, it shoots right to your prefrontal cortex and says, this is a threat. I feel defensive. What do I do here? And in that situation, your prefrontal cortex looks at kind of what you've done in the past, what other, what you've seen other people do what your coping mechanisms generally have been, and then it helps you respond appropriately. Um, as I mentioned, and I, I mentioned to your clients in our little coaching call, that this system works beautifully for things like if we're coming up to a stop sign and there's another car that's going to fly through it and you hit the brake immediately, That that's when it works immediately. It works wonderfully because your amygdala sees that car and it sends an impulse to your prefrontal cortex and your prefrontal cortex is like car, fast, brake. It doesn't have to like take any time to reason through. Is this car? Well, if I could figure out the trajectory and the physics of it, will it be? No, we just hit the brake. But when we're responding to that that way in everyday life and not giving ourselves a beat for our prefrontal cortexes to kick in, we're starting our stress response every time we hit something unpredictable. And a lot of times we start reacting rather than responding. So um, in the, let's say at work, we get a lot of emails that come in. If we train ourselves to respond to every single email as it comes in, we start getting these little jolts of adrenaline, these little bits of stress every single time an email. And that's how we train ourselves to feel, which then develops this stress response around the email sound even going off. It becomes this huge stress around email because we've trained ourselves to feel that way rather than taking a beat and thinking, I can respond to this later. I'm going to take some time and give myself that space so I can come back to this. Um, And we're training ourselves because the amygdala is louder. The primitive part of our brain, it's uncomfortable and it's loud and we want to do something about it immediately. But when we're training ourselves to constantly respond to that, we're keeping ourselves in that really heightened stress place and we're not able to actually think reasonably yeah yeah
0: it, it makes it makes so much sense you know because going back there to what you were saying about the family environment and the whole monkey see monkey do mm-hmm. and how your parents I suppose reacted to stress you know it, it, it's amazing how you mimic your personal personalities and, and I suppose that's the only way you've seen you know, uh-huh. how traumatic situations or problems were overcome and the, the verbal responses to it, the physical responses to uh-huh. it. Um, so it, it makes total sense. But, you know, it was, um, I was speaking to a client there, I was speaking to a client on Friday, and um, we were talking actually what happened between you doing the, the workshop and doing uh, and, and this today. I had a real stressful situation last week and ordinarily it would have been for me and i suppose over the years i got used to not reaching for, for stress causes me to underate it doesn't mm-hmm. cause me to overate there's two two stress responses i see with people especially clients when it comes to food there's um and there's undereaters. i hold mm-hmm. stress in my gut so my appetite leaves me but absolutely my initial response was um you know normally i'd have been like flying with the hand going oh jesus christ almighty right <laughs> on the to my husband mama. but um, I was away writing a book um for three days and I was in a mini lockdown and somebody just dropped a bomb on me on Thursday and it oh. could have been a potential volcano that that could have just um it, it, it was a critical piece of work that was needed for something really big put it like that um and ordinarily I'd have been like a volcano but I listened to you Maddie the amygdala was, uh, was on full red <laughs> alert yep. all, the, all the horns were blaring <laughs> but instead of instead of just reacting you know mm-hmm. what I did was I went to walk, got the trainers on didn't even take the headphones, went to walk, came back rang my husband, explained to him and I know the response that I took was a better response than I would have done before you had coached me but no, it ended up it was all fine it was all fine oh, potentially it yeah. could have been a nightmare but it was all yeah. fine and the, yeah talking about we, we were the same situation that happened to client on friday and her um her child was sick and her mother was sick and she was running between a sick child and caring for her mother and she was getting no sleep and she was exhausted and she says ordinarily you know so we give her a few strategies and she was part of the session as well and we had talked about how the amygdala of what had been, you know
1: mm-hmm.
0: this can't be happening to me per me what was me why is this happening to me I deserve to sit down I need a full packet of Doritos you know mm-hmm. I need a family bag of you know caramel Cadbury's caramel bets <laughs> you know, yeah take yeah. that step back and understand that right okay give it a lag time here let's get a wee bit of a lag period before mm-hmm. I respond by overeating but it, it is it's, it's under I think understanding that process in your mind gives you a plan then right okay because you can feel the adrenaline you can feel it moderately. yeah i'm stressed i can feel it. my heart palpitates i 100%. get you know, i get sweaty i get warm i get agitated i know i just know that I'm, I'm actually stressed in that moment but the distraction then and giving yourself that lag period before you make a response right that's critical so you know amygdala prefrontal cortex you know mm-hmm. I'm, I'm taking it there's a bit of a, a is there a is there a a time, a lag period before the, the amygdala sends signals to the the front part of our brain, that prefrontal cortex? Is there, is there like a a period of time?
1: There's very little time. (laughs) It's, it is, it is like impulse. So that's the part of it where we can start. And that's, what's tough is when we're so used to working off of that pathway, being like, now I react from this, this is how I react. Oh, okay. it, can, it, it can be difficult and uncomfortable to take a minute, like you're saying, and, and instead go for a walk. Yeah. But I think the key is understanding exactly, like you said, where when you know this is how it's working and you know that that initial flood of hormones is meant to keep you safe from a saber tooth tiger. It's not meant to react to an email. It yeah. doesn't like, our, and we're actually not even capable of a higher level of thought when we're in that amygdala place because it doesn't need to think, it just needs you to act. And yeah. so when, when we can take that beat and cause that lag time so that we work through that initial moment, we're able to access way more problem solving than we were initially. And that's how we actually move through like our modern problems are not saber-toothed tigers. The answer isn't as easy as run. Yeah. It'd be great if there were I'd like to just run sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But we need that access to that higher level thinking so that we can actually care for our loved ones or so that we can work through the work problem. Things like that. We need to be able to access a part of our brain that isn't online when we're immediately triggered by that amygdala. So, knowing that gives you some power and empowers you, I think, to understand how you're working with your brain and say, I absolutely hear you. Like, amygdala, you are right. This is unpredictable and it is frustrating yeah but i want to go to a better place in my brain right now so that i can actually figure out what i'm going to do next about it yeah. instead of screaming which yeah, I, th- I think what, what happens to a lot of clients is that
0: the stress hits there's no lag period it's straight on for mm-hmm. the, the you know the, the biscuits and the chocolate mm-hmm. and the ice cream or the the alcohol and i need to cope with my stress this is my default mechanism it's making me feel good it's my comfort mode mm-hmm. It's my comfort. it's my Coping mechanism to eat, and because our lives are so highly stressed, now it almost becomes like a, a a new habit. Then that's what you do when you when you're stressed. You eat definitely, and and I'm finding that a lot of people they find it really really hard to cope with stress, Maddie and particularly those who eat from stress. You know, mm-hmm. had a hard day at work, coming home, crazy kids, lots of stuff to do, overwhelm you know trying to get everything organized I, I, I like I am not I am that person myself I have it mm-hmm. all going on and I know when I'm organized I'm not stressed but I also know when I'm well slept I can cope with stress better yes and I keep saying to clients about the connection between sleep and stress do you have any um any any science on that Maddie and, and can you give our, our followers and our listeners any mm-hmm. advice on sleep how to cope with stress.
1: Definitely. So stress is an emotional stressor, right? What we what we generally look at as stress. Um, the thing is, our bodies perceive physical stressors very similarly to emotional stressors. And I I usually liken it to a bucket. We have one bucket for the day, and all of our stress, we pick it up at the beginning of the day. There's a little bit left over from the previous weeks or months, but we pick up our bucket. And as we're going through the day, we get emotional and physical stressors in there. Sleep deprivation, not eating enough. Um, those kind of things are physical stressors. And so when we start the day without having enough sleep from the night before, we start with a bucket that's half full of stress. And now we're trying to mitigate and manage everything throughout the day. And we're navigating all the emotional stressors And so that's why we have those really short tempers and really, and, you know, same thing when we're hungry, everyone calls it hangry. Well, it's a real thing, you know, it's a, it's a physical stressor. And when we lay on those emotional stressors on top of it, there's just no more room in the bucket. So sleep is absolutely, it's funny though, because, you know, increased stress makes less sleep and less sleep makes increased stress. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a tough cycle. Um, However, I, for the most part, from what i found with my clients is having consistent routines that shut down at night. Having, if you work from home, having something where when you close your laptop, it's almost like a ceremonial closing of the laptop every day. Something that disconnects you. And then having five or 10 minutes of something that you enjoy at night. Um, I told a story in our coaching call about how I had a, a client who decided that he and his daughter were gonna dance around for a little bit before dinner every night after he was done with work. And so they danced around for five or 10 minutes. And he felt like that was the closing of his day. And he was yeah. able to move into his evening. Things like that give us less stress when we go to sleep, rather right. than trying to push our brains through, wake up, go to work, do the thing, get stressed at home. Now I'm going to put you to bed and you're going to sleep for eight hours. That's, it's just not going to work that way.
0: Yeah. And like, if you even look at, you know, I'm a lot older than you, Maddie, but, you know, (laughs) 20 years ago, you you got home from work at five o'clock, you closed your office door, you get into your car, you went home and that was it. You know, you didn't have mobile phones constantly pinging notifications at you constantly. That is an excellent point. Yes. Reminding you of work, constantly reminding you of things that you have to do. And then you've got social media constantly remind you of the body that you don't have and the things that you should be doing that you're not doing just to add more overwhelming stress mm-hmm. and it's crazy absolutely crazy you know it's no wonder it's no wonder people are stressed to the eyeballs and um you know I, I always say to my clients, especially at the start of a nutrition, when they're trying to change their body and they're looking to we drop a few dress sizes, you know, they want everything all at one. Give me the workouts. Give me, I can do 15,000 steps a day and I can diet in 13, be a really aggressive with me. And I go, no, absolutely no chance. We take one thing and we do it for a little while because as you say, diet and create stress in the body over and creates mm-hmm. stress in the body. Mm-hmm. And you lump that into that bucket of stress that you're already talking about after two weeks is crash and burn so mm-hmm. you know it's it's mad there's just there's so much you know I suppose for younger ones it's their norm now for me I suppose coming I've been sort of lived a life where half of it didn't have social media the other half probably had social media and you know it's turning the phone off at night As she said closing the laptop stop looking at the phone from eight o'clock but we're just addicted to that phone which is and just yeah. Drive and stress so much more, Molly. You yeah. know, I see my own kids, and I'm like shouting at them to turn the phone off. You know, and they're mm-hmm. up half the night, and then they're like zombies the next day. But oh, yeah. you know, I, I I don't know. This is the next generation. I don't know. Good luck to the employers have to <laughs> employ children of today who are not half slept and who are addicted to social media. But you know that disconnect you know is there a time where you should say right turn the phone off I'm going to do something that's conducive to a good bedtime routine is -hmm. there is there like is there any I suppose ways that people
1: can do that is there like a a, do you have
0: any go-tos
1: um I generally for me it's reading a fictional book for 20 minutes something like that. And 20 to 30 minutes is generally enough time as long as you don't turn the stress back on at the end. Yeah. So you can't do a, a, you know, something you enjoy that's kind of calming for 20 minutes before bed, but then like just glance, like with one half eye open at the phone that, that kind of, you know, then you'll rev back up. The other thing I want to touch on is the fact that because we have access to so much, it is, um, it's incredibly important that we're intentional about what our brains are taking in. So when you're talking about social media or what we're watching on TV and things like that, noticing um, people say that they they scroll mindlessly. And I recently did a post saying there is no such thing as mindless scrolling because your brain's always there. So even if it's subconscious, even if you're looking at these pictures of women or men that make you feel bad about yourself briefly and you don't even acknowledge it, the reminder is there. So when we're filling our feeds with things that make us feel like crap or make us feel like we're not working hard enough, that is going to be a constant reminder and little like bubbling in the back of our brains. So filling your feed with things that make you feel better or show you intentionally how you want to be in the world or how you how you want to have stress management, how different things that you want to be able to put in your brain, quotes, whatever it is, beautiful pictures, things that can calm your nervous system rather than looking at things that like, Oh, well, I'm not that. So I guess I won't be good enough tomorrow. And then you go to bed and you wake up the next day and you're not good enough. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So for just, just to wrap it up then, um, Maddie, for my follow for the listeners of this podcast, who are sort of hoping right highly stressed individuals who are overeating and default to eating every time they're stressed. Mm-hmm. Give me a plan of action, a simple one, two, three plan of action to, to, to give these, these folks to, to make a start
1: on how to cope with stress. Sure. So I think the first thing is identifying and acknowledging the fact that it's not, you're not bad for stress eating and you're not bad for, you know, drinking because of stress. Those are things that we've learned to cope with. So I think, not, I think. Definitely what happens in these situations is we amp our stress up even more after the fact. We're stressed, we eat because we're stressed, and then we guilt and shame ourselves, which creates more stress. And then we don't even want to talk about it. We don't want to deal with it. it just it's, it's like, oh. So if we can start helping ourselves and being a little bit more compassionate, asking yourself what led to that situation, what happened during the day that was the trigger, okay, well, next time I have this trigger, what would I like to do instead of eating? And doing this when you have a calm mind, we're not gonna do it when, we're, like you said, when we are like face deep in things, it's, it, it, it is what it is. And that's that reaction in that moment. So the next day, being able to look at that without judgment and saying, how do I wanna help myself next time? Do I wanna measure out a portion of what really is comforting to me so that I can visually see this is what I, this is my stress snack. I eat it, and this is this is what I give myself. Or do I want to go on a walk next time I have that trigger of getting too many emails or feeling at the end of the day overwhelmed, and then the kids are there and everything? Like, do I just go outside and do some jumping jacks? Do I go on a walk? Um, I have a lot of I have a lot of clients who have adult coloring books because creativity and color and things those all turn on our prefrontal cortex and turn off our amygdala. So slipping something in there. That isn't just, I'm going to stop eating when I'm stressed. That's not going to happen. What we need to do is start gradually looking at the triggers and then replacing the eating with something that we really do enjoy that still feels good with some eating. Maybe read a book while you have your snack. Something that can kind of have a twofold um, meaning rather than just sitting and saying, I can't believe I did this again. Why, Why can't I stop?
0: yeah yeah it's funny i i've started to um at the end of the day when work's finished because my office is beside my house um i come in and myself and my daughter we start with two things we watch on netflix and it just switches your state um, Ooh, and they're mm-hmm. funny like they're they're they don't require much thought they're not heavy like you know modern family and uh-huh. young sheldon and yeah. they're so funny so you end up laughing at the end of the day you know, despite how stressful what shit had hit the fan that day, yes. <laughs> you know, it just changes your state. It gives you a chance to sit down with your family and have a laugh and have, you know, without having to think too much. And it really, you know, it keeps you, it's, it's, it's a nice state to go to bed in. Um, and, you know, I know for, for me, that works for me. I know of clients, of other clients who, you know, do different things, but it's it's just it's a huge problem for a lot of my clients maddie you've been absolutely invaluable with my own private clients and helping them and even i i think i learned so much from this myself
1: when when our
0: when our consultants come in to work with the clients um i i just glean so much from it myself but thank you so much for everything um and look maddie snow tell us where everybody can find you your your instagram handle and your website details
1: Yes. My website is www.madysnow.com. That's M-A-D-I-S-N-O-W. And then my Instagram is um, at coaching by Maddie, M-A-D-I again. Maddie, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And
0: um, hopefully everybody listening has really learned something here about stress. We're coming into a stressful time of the year. Christmas can be very stressful for Uh of people. So Uh be compassionate with yourselves. Um, and have a great Christmas, everybody. Thank you, Maddie. Yes.
1: yes, absolutely. Thank you.